Hello and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. Hello, I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And we're back. We did it. We played uh, another game. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Thank you. <laughs> we also we also all survived the past few weeks. Which yeah. thank goodness. Yeah, we did. Uh, I actually had a good past few weeks because uh, the Summer Games Done Quick marathon was a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And I had some extra stored up vacation days, so I just took the week off and watched speedruns all week. Nice. Yeah, that's a good way of doing it. Yeah. So there was some real fun stuff. Uh, I haven't watched... I haven't watched all of the VODs that I intend to. In particular, I still need to go back and watch the, like, overnight silly block. Um, especially because I know Arabian mm -hmm. Nights was on there, and I'm really excited to see that thing again. Um, <laughs> that one was... I, it's been on uh, SG, It's been on GDQ once before, and it is quite the monstrosity. Um, but the... But for the most part, like, I saw a, a big chunk of it. There was a lot of really good stuff. Um, there was a couple of rhythm showcases that I recommend. And uh, there was, let's see, what was the first one called? Dance Rush Stardom, um, which had like the hypest, most high energy presenter I've ever seen <laughs> doing doing a dance game. Um, Dang. He also had a Swiffer named Swiffer Chan that he used to like wipe off the the. Uh, like they were actually at an arcade, so they had like an arcade deck. So he used that to wipe it off between each uh, session, uh, and then also did a song with the Swiffer as a third foot uh, at one point, oh which God. was pretty great. Yeah, I'm looking at this like this arcade cab, gi gigantic monstrosity. This is a uh, this is a big boy. Yeah, it's a uh, it's kind of DDR-ish, but it's one giant pad that just like senses your movement. So there's like a lot of slides and stuff that you're expected to do. Okay. Um, it's a lot closer to real dancing. Yeah, I, uh, and it then like it would be. <laughs> and then the other one was Mai Mai, uh, which, when played at a high level, looks like nothing as much as a cat chasing a laser pointer really intently. Um, it's pretty incredible. Nice. That's the one that looks like it's played on a washing machine. It's got like a round screen with a bunch of oh. buttons yeah, around it. it. <laughs> so Amazing. That was that was pretty cool too. And there was like a uh, blindfolded Mario 64 70 stars run. There was a Pokemon black versus white race. That was a three and a half hour race where the two racers finished five seconds apart from each other. It damn. was so damn close. <laughs> that's that's true. So who, who, who did win? Um, I forget, like, which, I don't remember the names of the racers, and I forget which yeah. of the two versions they okay. were playing. I want to say it was the, Yeah, I want to say it was did. Pokemon Black, but, I, I mean, they traded the lead a couple times. It mm -hmm. really came down to, like, one little bit of good or bad luck in one of the last battles. Um, it was, it was pretty neat. Um, uh, there were some Doom Eternal DLC runs that were really pretty to watch. There was there was a a freaking Paper Mario run, which they beat by playing Ocarina of Time. Huh. So 
because it, it's it's gotten to the point apparently where it is uh, advanced enough. Um, the the um, so Ocarina of Time has an exploit that's like the holy grail of exploits in games uh, called uh, Ace or arbitrary code execution, yeah. which is where you can just you find a way to get the game to just run something that you can input uh, as though it's a piece of code. And they've got it's essentially like you can change the RAM at free yeah. will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so they use they've gotten so good and studied at using the arbitrary code execution in Ocarina of Time that they use that to load something into like a memory storage uh, peripheral on the N64 and then swap out the cartridge for Paper Mario and use the stored code from Ocarina of Time to run a glitch in Paper Mario. Incredible. It's, it's pretty intense. <laughs> there was also a similar uh, Ace-based uh, glitch run for um, uh, Majora's Mask where they use arbitrary code execution to bring up the developer debug console that got left in the game and just give themselves all the inventory they need. <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty great. Nice. Before, like, the proper Ace was found in Mirror's Mask, you could bring up that console by, like, playing the same song, like, 50 times in a row. <laughs> Interesting. I, I guess really this new way is, I guess this new way is faster now. Yeah, way faster. Uh it was it was fun to watch. It's a it was a good marathon and they raised like just under 3 million. It would like ended up at like 2.9 million dollars for Doctors Without Borders. So good for them. Hmm. As cool. usual, I donated a lot but did not win anything. In any yeah, in any know. of the raffles, but that's not the point. The point is you get to donate to a good cause, and you get to donate to incentives to like make them do silly things, like you know, uh, upgrades, upgrade categories, and things like that. Like make the Mexican runner do the um, turbo tunnel from Battletoads blindfolded, which he did. Oh no. Huh. Yeah, that was a fun run, actually. That Battletoads run was really fun, because he did the whole game. And it's, like, apparently a really cool game and, like, actually kind of mixes things up mechanically uh, as the game goes on. It's just that nobody ever got past the Turbo Tunnel, so no one knows that. I don't think, like, yeah. I had Battletoads as a kid, and yeah. it's a really good game. Yeah, it looks just, cool. Just don't play it co-op. <laughs> oh, jeez, that bad, huh? Yeah, you can hit each other with co-op. Mm. Also, you like, like, if one person loses all their lives, the game, like, you game over, but the other per person doesn't gain their lives back. Hmm. That's annoying. Yeah, that sounds like a big problem. I wonder if we'll ever see a Battletoads co-op run at GDQ. It'll <sighs> probably be frustrating to watch and play. 
There was a there was a Super Mario Brothers co-op run. That was sort of interesting. They ended up having to do kind of a lot of on the fly routing cuz getting or missing certain things means that the and the Hammer Brothers on maps moving certain ways uh ends up uh like changing who has to get what power up in what stage in order to beat the game. Huh. Which is surprising, but cool. This all sounds so complicated, and I don't understand how anybody, like, figures any of this shit out, but... Yeah. yeah. I always, like, yeah, I always watch these and think about, like, how much work goes into all of this like the the community the community bug hunting and then people routing it and then the like sheer insane number of hours of practice that it takes for the runners to actually run the dang thing yeah yeah i really like that how much of a like community effort it is yeah it's it's a neat sort of uh pastime i i also like how arbitrary and pointless it is I like that people spend a lot of time to get very, very good at a thing that really doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Um, the... Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, well. It was a good, it was oh, a good yeah. show, and I recommend people check it out. Uh, speaking of GD-related things, I guess... Uh, GDC is starting this week. Our talk is uh is tomorrow. Gotta, exciting. Yeah, I gotta like sign on and do a chat with folks. I'm I'm like afraid that nobody's gonna come to the chat. I don't know. Like, hmm. I guess we'll see. Like, there are well, there I'm... are a lot of people like at the conference. Maybe some people will want to see our talk. I mean, I want to see your talk, but also I did not, uh, I am not going to spend GDC money to... Yeah. <laughs> I hope, I hope that, uh, that it's up afterwards yeah. and I can yeah. watch it, but... Same. Know. If I get, if I get any say at all in what is done with it, I'll, I'll ask them to put it on the free part of the vault, but I don't know if we do get a say. Yeah, um, like you just doing exactly the same version, but not... Yeah, Mike. Mike was saying that if the uh, if there's a because we didn't like I didn't check in the contract if we're not allowed to like give the talk elsewhere. But if we aren't, we could just do the same talk but swap slides where I read all of Mike's slides and he reads all of my slides. Oh yes, and then it's a different talk. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I have seen like GDC talks in different contexts. Like, yeah, being put online. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's uh, maybe we can then. We at least want to give it for uh, like maybe the uh, an abridged version of it for the uh, Seattle Indies group if we're allowed, just because, um, like I don't know, they've done a lot for us. We we you know we showed the game at six a few times and uh, the Seattle Indies Expo, and um, we've had a few good friends from that group, so. Um, might be nice to give back if we have the opportunity. Yeah. But I am cool. I'm looking forward to it and I am uh, a little bit nervous. Less nervous than I would be if we actually had to like physically present it on a stage though. So that's good. Yeah. That's that's a 
Look, I know it's because of the pandemic, which is bad, but that's uh, also like the hidden lining, the secret yeah. silver lining. I don't remember what that silver lining. That's what it is. Gosh, just silver lining. Yeah, no, I yeah. got you. I knew what you were saying. Yeah, <laughs> I tried. I got there eventually. I'm picking up what uh, you're putting down. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so it's gonna be exciting i'll let y'all i'll report in next time and let y'all know how it goes nice um, yeah hopefully we sound like professional game developers who know what the fuck they're talking about we'll see i'm sure it'll be great yeah well it's already yeah. recorded so if we sound like it yeah. is how much we can do about that now that's true that's true Really, you just have to pray for like no technical problems and um, good good questions, I guess. Yeah. While you're while you're in the chat. Yeah, that too. We uh, I always go through this process with my particularly with my written work where I write a thing and I'm like really proud of it for a little bit, and then I go through like usually for writing a short story, it's like about two weeks of just really hating it of like oh this was dumb this is trite this is like not very well written like why did i even write this blah and then when i come back to it late enough i'm like okay this is fine like this is actually like perfectly decent and okay um so i'm kind of now in that slump of uh the tacos like amateurish and we don't know what we're talking about and i don't really like it and so <laughs> Uh, it's good to be in a spot where it's already recorded and I don't have to, like, I can't go back on it now. Yeah, that is true. Stops me from, like, worrying about it because it's like, well, nothing I can do. Too late. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it stops you from, like, because, yeah, because if you had to give the talk now when you're not super keen on the talk, I mean, I guess that would have yeah. an effect on you as you're giving it but you know now you don't have to worry about it yeah exactly so, yeah. i was very enthused about it when we recorded the talk so yeah <laughs> so that's fine yeah i guess i mean we sort of got a sneak peek in our um genesis noir episode because you were alluding to a lot of your points because i was uh you were deep in it i was yeah i was real raging at genesis noir a little bit yeah um, <laughs> The, uh, if, if they do put it behind a paywall forever, um, we do have like a half done practice version that we recorded that, uh, that we have that I can like send you guys anyway, um, mm -hmm. which is, you know, it's a little less polished in our like actual presenting of it, but all the slides and topic stuff is the same. So yeah, the contraband talk. The yeah, I guess the market underground distribution. Yeah. I guess it's not. I guess the slides aren't all the same. You you'll have a a rough draft version of a lot of the slides, which means you'll miss some of our funnier slides. But I put our funniest slides on Twitter anyway, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> well, that's all cool. Um, what all What all did you do the past few weeks? Nothing. I can't think of anything I did in the past two weeks, but I have I made a batch of of hoagie rolls yesterday, and they were so good that I made another batch this morning. Yeah, those look so good. They did. They looked like real bakery fresh, like pristine. They're How so did good. you get I can... that color on them? 
So, okay, I can send you the recipe. There was one secret ingredient. It's diastatic malt powder, which I just bought it on the internet. Um, but it it basically has like extra enzymes in it that eat the starch and make sugar so that the yeast can eat the sugar, the extra sugar. Mm-hmm. And that gives you like a better rise and more browning. Nice. And it's it is like such a game changer, holy shit. But yeah, I can send I can send you both the recipe because I just got it offline. Um and it's it is perfect. I followed the recipe to a T and it turned out incredible both times. So nice. it is a keeper, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I have not gotten into bread making, but I probably should because we like eat a lot of bread in this household and care about the quality of our bread. So Yeah. Yeah, I don't do anything like super intense like my my um oldest brother stepbrother has like a sourdough starter he makes really good sourdoughs he has one of those like banneton basket thingies that makes it you know shape shaped the way it's supposed to be shaped very good i don't, I don't do any of that i've tried to have a sourdough starter before and it's like i don't know what i'm supposed to do with this i don't and i, I don't really like sourdough that much which yeah. is kind of sacrilege i Yes, that's fine. I, like I agree with you. Yeah, I yeah, I'm just not a fan of it. So I just use yeast. I prefer rye if I'm going to go with a slightly sour bread. Yeah, that too. Yeah, that too. Um, the did I ever did I ever tell you about Yakitate Japan? I, I am aware so. of it. But I don't think you've talked. I don't think I've heard about it from you. Okay. Uh, we just finished watching it for Anime Club, so it's sort of fresh on my mind. Uh, but it is a, yeah, it's a, like, shonen sports anime tournament-based uh, about bread baking. Oh, <laughs> shit. You know what? I've actually watched some of that at some point. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty okay. amazing. That's why it oh, sounds yeah, so Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's scary. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it relies heavily on puns that don't translate super well, but you can see the trans like the fan translators like desperately trying. Not even the fan translators, the the regular like Crunchyroll translators too. Um, they're like, okay, he's saying this, which literally sounds like, you know like this, and it, it which is similar to the thing that literally sounds like this, which means this other thing, and that's why. This pun is supposedly works. I love how I, translators have to do that. I miss the Wild West of fan translating. Like, I, I do miss those, like, uh, fan translations where you would have to, like, pause the video uh, to read, like, the paragraph-long culture note that someone yeah. put in a thing to explain what the fuck is going on. Yep. I mean, you know, like, it's not the best viewing experience, but I learned a lot about Japan and Japanese culture like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I still read a lot of, um, like, scanlated manga, and there's usually, like, if it's not in the margins, there will usually be just, like, a page at the end where it's just, like, here are all of the translator's notes mm-hmm. and, like, cultural things. And it's just, it's a nice little thing to have. I like yeah. it. Yeah, so... My router broke down like a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah. And uh, we had no internet for a couple of days. So what I did was I found a hard drive from my like first computer 
filled oh with anime. Oh boy. <laughs> and I watched some old ass anime with oh. some bad translations. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What such as what series? Um, I watched Helsing. And that That's anime was better than I rem- thought it would be. Like the story's not that good. But like the visuals are really cool. Nice. Was that uh, was that regular Helsing or I think because I I've been it was meaning regular. to watch okay because I've been meaning to watch Helsing Ultimate because I have heard that it is like super good, but have not gotten around to it. Did you okay, Carl? Be honest. Did you have any like fan service titty anime on the hard drive? <laughs> Um, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that's fair. I my my boyfriend is like kind of half ironically obsessed with high school DXD, which is just harem titty anime. Um, to the point where he bought one of those random sticker packs where you could just like buy sticker packs with a whole bunch of random like knockoff brand designs or whatever but this one was all like waifu fan art of high school dxd characters and he's been sticking his waifu um all over like his water bottle i think he put some on his computer they're just they're everywhere (laughs) that's great and that's that's where that's where i'm at with uh with titty anime i'm real tired of it just being thrust upon me i am uh if I went back and, like, uncovered, because I have, like, a stack of, because I burned my anime to disc, um, so I have, like, discs, uh, like, literal CDs and DVDs full of, uh, like, bootleg translation anime. And if I went back to that now, I am, like, 99% certain that none of that's holding up. So, because this was all, like, you know, 90s early yaoi anime. Uh, yeah. Which, which is like, wow. In retrospect, like, wow. <laughs> I can't believe I watched that. But yeah, what was the one that I watched on your recommendation? And I don't remember what it was called. Um, was it? It was. So the two big ones from the 90s were Fake and Gravitation. Uh, it wasn't either of those. I don't remember. Uh, I mean, I'll, I wouldn't. Rec- I, wouldn't I wouldn't recommend those now. So, yeah, that's fair. It's like a couple years ago, I um, I went on a tear and I watched a bunch of Fushigi Yugi because that was one that I had always wanted to watch when I was a kid, but I, it just wasn't like, I couldn't find it anywhere. Mm-hmm. And boy, howdy, that one's not great. That one's got a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was it about the 90s and having a rape subplot in like every female oriented anime? Was... Yeah. Oh, was man. It... Yeah. Like. Uh, all of them, I think, that I can think of. Um, was uh, was it um, Yamina Matsui, by any chance? Yes, that's the one. Yeah, speaking of rape subplot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no. yeah. Yamina Matsui, do you remember if that hold- held up at all? I mean, so I had never watched it before, and I found it to be, like... Not great, and obviously, yeah, rape subplot, <laughs> but, like, interesting, and I would say worth watching. Okay. Just as, like, a, a like, what, like, a high-concept version of 
you know, like late nineties, early two thousands yaoi stuff. Yeah. 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 The uh it, it's it's very it's very peak nineties because it's got, you know, like these sort of broody, beautiful boys in trench coats with like <laughs> tragic backstories. Yeah, very like school shooter aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who are uh who are like Possibly into each other, but maybe not because they want to keep it like kind of on the down low, subtle. Like, yeah, yeah. the The premise yeah. for for anyone who you know does not know or does not remember from, I guess, us talking about it on a previous podcast, probably. Um, it's about like death gods, like people who work f- for the afterlife uh, association, and like inspecting like deaths that weren't supposed to happen um and like supernatural creatures and stuff like that um and they you know it's about these two two partners in this detective agency type thing and they're like evil nemesis who's just like the most evil for no reason yeah yeah <sighs> let's see what other i think like my biggest two like not super mainstream shouts from when I was younger, although I guess kind of mainstream. Uh, and I stand by this: the the best harem anime is Tenchi Muyo. Oh. oh, well, that yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that one's like more of a reverse harem, but yeah, Tenchi no, Muyo, man, it's hits all the right things for me. Um, and then Outlaw Star is just good sci-fi. So both both stuff that I watched on Toonami back in the day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember in, when they were airing too. In retrospect, Toonami brought over some like pretty interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there was those two. They did Yu Yu Hakusho. Yeah, uh, they did. Um, Yu Yu Hakusho is great. Is it is it Big O the like giant mecha Batman one? Mm-hmm. Yep, that one too. Actually, we were watching that one pretty recently, Ev and I, and Big O absolutely holds up. The problem with Big O is that um, they. I guess if I'm remembering it correctly, Toonami like aired it all out of order, mm, that um, which, me. Is, which was a big problem. But yeah, no, Big O's great. Um, they yeah. did Blue Sub Six, I think, at one point. Yep, I watched that one within the last couple of years as well. And Roroni Kenshin, like there was some good stuff. Yeah, that's, I am that's... not. I am not mad at my. Uh you know, 90s and early aughts anime education from uh, cable television. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Could have been, been worse. And, you know, then you, worse. you go to Blockbuster and you get uh, your your uh, Akira and your uh, Ghost in the Shell, since that's like the only two anime they had. Uh, and yeah. then there you go. That's not early. That's our that's anime childhood in a nutshell. Yeah, there was one, there was like one store in the mall that I remember that had, that had anime, like, DVDs, and I'm not sure how legit they actually were, and it like I feel like, I don't, yeah, I don't remember if it was, it probably, it must have been a chain, but I, I feel like I went in there once to look, and I wandered into the section that was like, definitely porn, and I never went back, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I- I got my Utena DVDs uh, on our school class trip to like Disneyland. Um, 
Because we, so our our senior like high school trip is a thing where like all the seniors, you know, like sell candy bars and save up money and everything for four years, and then there's like a big trip down to Florida uh, that you can go on at the end of the year that goes to like Disney World and Epcot Center. Um, mm. And I forget, like there was just some random like store that was like a DVD and music store that like a practically gift shop i think it was at the epcot center um that had like dvd box sets of utena which i had never seen anywhere else so i absolutely bought them and then one of them ended up being broken so i had to like return it but we weren't like we were leaving the next day so i i think i like i like went back there uh like well most of my group was at some other place and like returned it and they had to like get my address to mail me the replacement because I because like they didn't have it in stock or something like that it was it ended up being a whole convoluted process but I do now own all of Utena on like DVD box set which is as it should be because that's one that I still stand by like that's still my favorite anime so yeah I mean, honestly, like, despite the hassle it apparently was, worth it. Super yeah. worth it. Yeah. Absolutely. And <sighs> it, it was, like, I didn't technically need it, because I did own most of the series on, like, bootleg VHS. But in retrospect, I'm glad I got the DVDs. Because <laughs> I don't own a VCR anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Um anime yeah I speaking guess, of I mean, speaking of anime i just watched uh i just finished watching a playthrough of near like the original near i guess not the original near the remake of near near replicant yeah yeah um but not near automata is the point um and yeah. dang uh that was like a real interesting game for its time i remember why i did not finish playing it when a friend loaned it to me yeah, that's but I haven't played time is still like twenty ten. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's that's one I haven't played Replicant yet, but I have a lot of fond memories for, for um the grandpa near version that we got. Papa near. <laughs> yes. Papa near, yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting because uh the so the replicant playthrough is as you say with the young near instead of the papa near. And it's in in like comparing because I played a little bit of the Papaneer version. I played like probably seventy five percent of the first playthrough, uh, where it's a game that you have to play like four times to get all the endings. Um and I really like the like main character relationships between Papaneer and his daughter. Like I think that mm -hmm. that is a much more interesting character relationship than like guy like kid and his sister um but like literally everything else in the game works better with kid near <laughs> which is kind yeah. of a, a shame it's like the his relationships with the other party members make a lot more sense uh his relationship uh or like his his growth during the time skip is like a lot more sensible his like mm -hmm. relationship with the village and the fact that he does odd jobs for them is a lot more believable like 
pretty much everything other than that one character relationship, I think, is better with Young Nier. I mean, yeah, the game was made for a Young Nier. Yeah, and it's. I think that's kind of it's pretty clear. But I mean, you know, they did release both versions in Japan originally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the U.S. only got the Papa Nier version. Yeah, because of like focus testing and the America was not yet ready for the Bishonen. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the American general public, although like the American general public was apparently not ready for Nier in general yet because. It did not do very well. Yeah. But, you know. I mean, it, yeah, it's it's just like, um, it's just like the Yakuza games. They, they took off later. Yeah. I'm surprised at how much of the, uh, like, interesting twist stuff that they do in Nier Automata is just directly from Nier. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. A lot of it is, it's from Nier. And then there was like a an audio drama, and then there's also um, Grimoire Near, which is just a fucking tome of like lore and backstory and stuff. I have it was never officially translated into English, I don't think, but I have a fan translated like version of it somewhere buried deep in my Google Docs, I think, <laughs> and I've never read all of it. It's yeah. uh, it's a lot. I've been watching a like a fan summation. Uh, of the near series on YouTube, and he's like, "Yeah, there was this like grimoire thing released, and like God bless the fan translators who translated the entire thing." Yeah, uh, I found um, I found my Google Doc. It is ninety nine pages long. Jesus. Of course, it is of like plain text, basically. So where's it's not oh, plain text? Boy. There's a little bit of formatting, but yeah, it's it's still there. Eventually, I'll read it, but probably actually I won't. <laughs> But it's nice to have. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, there's... There's a lot of cool, weird, experimental stuff going on in Nier, and a lot of stuff that just, like, really doesn't work. Did you hate the text adventure section? I I was frustrated by the text adventure section. I thought it was a cool idea, but it dragged... Like, it slowed the pace of the game to a halt, and I didn't really appreciate that. That's fair. Um, I mostly, like, I'm not a fan of Yoko Taro's whole misery porn thing. Um, and I I felt, and I still, I actually feel this way a little bit about Automata as well, although I think Automata is a little better about it. Um, they're also bad with theme. Like, as far as games with themes go... It seems like Yokotaro has a bunch of cool ideas on a subject and just throws them all into a game regardless of how they mesh together or have anything to do with each other. Um, yeah. It's not quite as bad in Automata because at least they're all on the same subject more or less or in, in a general vicinity of each other subject-wise. Um, but mm-hmm. it's like... Automata is... Like, if it can be said to have a theme, the theme that is most reinforced by all of the, like, quests and side quests throughout the game is uh, despair, basically. Like, it doesn't matter what you do, everything is futile, even forming relationships with people is futile, um, because, like, terrible things will happen to them. Like, anytime anyone reaches out to anyone, they're punished for it. 
And then it tries to have this like really hopeful ending that's like, if we all work together, actually, like we can make the world a, a better place. And it's like, none of your game up to this point has reinforced that idea at all. In fact, it's actively contradicted it throughout the entire thing. Yeah, I feel like that was like uh, an executive decision, kind of. Um, like not not from Taro himself, but from like other people saying, no, we got to do something about this. You got to have um, a better, forgot, happier ending. Yeah, I forgot. The other thing about the original Nier is that it is a sequel to Drakengard 3, but yep. only one ending of Drakengard 3. No, it's, which a sequel, it's a sequel to Drakengard 1. There are three oh, Drakengard... Yeah. Sorry, yeah. 3 is the most recent one that I bought yep. and haven't played. Um, yeah, the first one. And boy, yeah. howdy, if you haven't tried to play Drakengard, it's not a fun game at all. It's horrible. I tried playing it once because I was like, I like Nier! Nope, that was a mistake. That was a big mistake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, the same the same uh, YouTube person who I've been watching their Nier summary, I like got to that from their Drakengard summaries, because I'm like, oh, if I if I'm going to watch a Nier playthrough, I should know what happened in Drakengard. Let me check out these Drakengard videos. And the guy's basically like, yeah, probably don't actually try to play these games because they're bad, yeah. but also I love them and here's like what they're all about. So, yeah. Three is a, yeah, I played a little bit of 3 just because I was like, I got to buy this because I want to support this. And it's fine. It's it's. I mean, the first one is just like old and rough. And it's a bad combination of those two things. Yeah, but... three seems like it's getting way deeper into some of Yoko Taro's weird, like, psychosexual obsessions, which, mm -hmm. like, I don't really have time for. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. Like, it's it's it feels like he's gotten, um, like. He's gotten better at some things and worse about some other things. And the like weird Freudian psychosexual stuff is definitely getting more pronounced over time. Yeah. Um, like near, near Automata has a lot of that and it's, mm -hmm. and it's weird and uncomfortable and I don't know why it's in the game. It's like, are you making a point with this Yoko Taro? Are you making a point with this, or are are we just all along on your journey of self-exploring your sexuality? Like, what's going on? But isn't that why people buy the game? That's, I mean, that's what, that is, I, like, being mostly serious, I want to say that is mostly why the series took off at all, is because of Automata and because of 2B being just a total waifu. I mean, like, um, there's, like there's, there's the sexuality in it, which, like is one thing which you know i've i roll my eyes super hard like Pine's outfit was literally one of the reasons i stopped playing original near um but like beyond that there's like these weird like um like incestual undertones and like sexual violence undertones uh and there's like there's like a scene in automata where 9s is like straddling the body of uh, to be after being told that he's like sexually attracted to her uh, and like repeatedly stabbing her in the chest while thrusting his hips in like a really suggestive way where I'm like Yoko Taro what are you doing <laughs> I'm yeah. like it's not just like ooh hot girl let's like look up her skirt I mean it's also that 
but it's it gets to it gets to some like really dark weird places like it sounds like from the summary of Dragon Guard 3 it sounds like there's a lot of like weird virginity shaming in that for some reason <laughs> yeah i vaguely remember that um because yeah like the thing about Dragon Guard is like your the the main character i think her name is zero her like dragon companion died and then is reborn as basically like a, a baby dragon and she's just like constantly shit talking her baby dragon companion i remember there is one part like one scene really early on about like the baby dragon has to pee and we're gonna <sighs> we're gonna ridicule him for that like what yeah but... and there's there's like a there's like five evil sisters or six evil sisters or something like that and one of them's a mm -hmm. virgin, and, like, they won't stop shit-talking her for it. And they all have, like, yeah. these weird, like, sexual relationships with their, like, first-in-command butler people, who are maybe actually birds or something? I don't know. <laughs> Fucking Yoko Taro games are weird, is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, speaking of other Japanese developers who make weird games, man... We are getting real close to um the good life being out, which is I don't That's believe that. Swearies. That's swearies. Yeah, no, we um the like the the backer surveys went out earlier this week, I think, for for delivery of your digital digital copies. Oh, I think they? there was I think there was a release date in there too, but I would have to go look, and I'm not going to do that right now. But that's exciting. I need to check that out. Though. Yeah. Now, I always get sweary confused with Suda51. Which games are swearies? Sweary is Deadly, Deadly Premonition. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And Suda is Silvercase, uh, Killer7, others. But we, <laughs> yeah. we, played, we played the Silvercase, so that's the big yeah. one. Uh, Flower, Sun, and Rain. Still waiting on, on that remake. They said it was yeah. happening, and we haven't heard anything about it in, like, what, four years or something? <laughs> I'm still holding out hope. Um, yeah. Actually, the boyfriend is recently replaying Killer7, because the PC port's really good. And now he's like, I got. I guess I gotta play the Silver Case. I said, have fun with that, friend. <laughs> have, have a good time playing the Silver Case, dear. Did you, <laughs> did you warn him? He knows. Okay. I mean, he knows as well as you can know. I think I've, ex I've I've talked to him about it before. So you told him I rage quit the game in frustration. Oh no, I didn't. But I I can I can tell him that <laughs> when he starts when he starts playing it. Just, just just to prepare him for like potential potential uh just you know to level set expectations basically. Yeah, yeah. I I told him that it is like ninety percent visual novel. So yeah. Um, yeah. Should we stop putting off talking about the game that we're, <laughs> we played? I know, I keep thinking, like, I should just say it, we're putting it off, but... Yeah, we should probably just talk about the game. We played Nuts. Yeah, it's not that... It's not. We're not putting it off because we didn't like it, or at least I'm not. I enjoyed it quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. Uh, it's just a short game, and there's not a ton to say about it. Um... So Nuts is a, a surveillance game um, where you are a, like, newly hired, um, I don't know, wildlife researcher, 
I guess is the best title. Um, you're you're hired by a company that's doing a survey of like an endangered squirrel species in an area to decide whether another company is about is allowed to like do uh, like logging and construction in this like really old forest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like an environmental impact survey, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and so obviously you want to save the forest. Um, this appealed to me a lot as a uh, as like a kid who went to nature camp uh, and like you know learned about Rachel Carson and like saving the wetlands and all that. And yeah, <laughs> like this was like very much tapping into uh, my my youth movement personality. Um, yeah, so the way you do that is you are tracking the behaviors of the squirrels, uh, and you do this by setting up cameras and uh, following, you know, like trying trying to get to like a goal state in each chapter uh, with surveilling the squirrels. So in the first one, um, you just have to, you know, they tell you where the squirrel starts and you have to follow it and find where it ends the night. Um, uh, in the second one, you start doing the same thing, but then you find uh, a gathering of squirrels at the end, and you have to follow each of them back to their starting points for the night, the where the to find where the other ones come from. Uh, then there's one where you have to get uh, like several specific shots of the squirrels at various time points over the course of the night. Um, then there's one where you have to manually chase the squirrels around, uh, and then you fall down a cliff. Um, and, and then you, meet you the special squirrel. Yeah, and then you meet the special squirrel, and then you have to follow the special squirrel, and the special squirrel leads you out to safety, basically. Um, there's a bit more to it than that, but that's sort of like the basic outline. And I, I appreciated that they like made the effort to, you know, slightly change up the mechanics here and there so it didn't feel like you were just doing the exact same thing five times in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was well appreciated. Um, I yeah, will and say, in every every like mission has a, a new map yeah. that you're going around to. Yeah, and that helps a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the main mechanic is basically for most of them is you set up the cameras uh, during the day. And you get, like, you start with one camera and you end up eventually with three cameras. Um, And you set them up where you think the squirrel is going to go. And then at night you, like, watch the video feed of where the squirrel goes. uh, So that in the next day you can set up the camera in, like, a new, better location. Um, And in some of them, like the early ones, if you know, you know, if you make some good educated guesses, um, you could probably like just walk to where the stash is on like the first day if you're like really Mm -hmm. exploring in depth um and it would be over quickly but when they get to the ones where it's like okay you have to find it at particular timestamps, then you do actually have to like follow it around um and while you're doing this you're also discovering um some secrets of like the this company that's you know, supposed to be waiting on the survey is not actually waiting on the survey. They've been like doing some initial construction and cutting down a bunch of the trees and um, like building shit that they shouldn't be building. And there's like 
there's a kind of whole backstory of the the your communication person uh, on your survey team is like trying to work out what's going on and she keeps getting like <clears throat> like weird things happen like they pay off a newspaper to say that like the survey has already concluded and found that there was no impact um and they doctor your photos and things like that so there's like there's this kind of whole unraveling conspiracy thing going on in the background um it's a very which, generic evil company it really is yeah um I was I wasn't sure uh, when this when we started playing this game, there were kind of two axes that I wasn't sure where the game was going to fall on. One was like, uh, like realism to fantasy, and one of them was like humor to seriousness, um, <clears throat> and it kind of fell. I guess it was a little bit more realistic than I was expecting. Like it still got quite a bit of like magical realism, like. The first squirrel's nest you discover, they've been, like, hoarding dynamite. Uh, and they do actually, like, save you with a boat in the end. So there's, there is definitely some magical yeah. realism. But it definitely f uh, fell a lot more on the serious rather than comedic side of the spectrum than I was expecting. Yeah, so... yeah. I was expecting more, like, black magic squirrels. Yeah, I was kind of expecting the conspiracy to be squirrel-related. Right, like that the squirrels are conspiring, but it's that's not really what it's. I mean, like, arguably, maybe who knows what that dynamite's for, but yeah, um, and they do kind of like imply that because there's like, there's you see the squirrels like obviously having some kind of meeting where it looks like they're talking to each other, and you're like, oh shit, this is gonna be like. Of you know the a fantasy game where the the squirrels are plotting with each other, and I was I was actually waiting for, um, like some kind of twist where it turns out that the evil corporation is not as evil as it seems, uh, but the squirrels are actually like eco terrorists or something. But no, the you know it's just a generic evil corporation, and it's you know the squirrels are just trying to survive and. We don't get we don't we get a little payoff with like what the squirrels are up to, but not a lot. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's basically Fern Gully, but instead of fairies, it's squirrels. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Fern Gully no, is. And like there's a, no. A, a, yeah. There's no Tim Curry villain to yeah. to make it like weirdly psychosexual. Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I don't know. It's I enjoy the surveillance mechanic a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, it feels like it's going to get really boring, but I felt like, I don't know, clever is the wrong word, but I always, I it, it, there was something really satisfying about, like, actually getting the shot that you needed at the right time and, like, pinning it down and going, like, ha, there you are. Yeah, and I... I guess yeah, it it does sort of feel like you're actually doing research, in insofar as like the game does reward you, I guess in in some way, um, for making inferences that turn out to be correct, right? Like yeah. it saves you time and it doesn't try to shoehorn you into oh no, you got to do it this way, you got to go through the, all the motions. Like if you if you know where you're going or if you can figure out where you're going. Mm -hmm. You can just set the camera there, and and there you go. Yep. 
which yeah, I appreciate. I feel like there's sort of a few different ways you can approach how you set up your cameras. Like you can set them up where you know you're going to see the squirrel uh, and like see its next little bit of its path, uh, which is slower but more reliable. Or you can be really speculative and like face the camera the way you think it's going to go. And then that's sort of like a higher gamble where you, you know, if you're right, it saves you time. But if you're wrong, then you don't see anything and you have to kind of backtrack and, and choose a different path. Mm -hmm. Yep. And they did a pretty good job of not always making it the most obvious way. There were a lot of times where I set up a camera and I'm like, oh, they're, this is like clearly the path that they're going to send the squirrel on because this is like the obvious way to go. And it'll be like, it gets like to that crossroads, but then it makes like a weird hairpin turn that I didn't, and like goes down a path I didn't even see. <laughs> so like, I was kind of impressed like with the, with the level design, I guess, because it's hard to make a space that you can, um, you know, you can wander around in any of these spaces as much as you want during the day. So it's hard to make uh, something that's hidden enough that you're not just going to stumble onto it as you're wandering around. But yet it still has reasonable enough paths that you can follow while you're tracking the squirrel. Mm -hmm. um, it's like that's a that's an interesting level design challenge. It's kind of an unusual one. And I think they did a really good job. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I really, for what it's worth, I really like the way they do the, like, bold colors that kind of shift with time of day and region. Yeah, the, the really, like, very basic outlines on all of the, like, environment, but analogous color schemes. Yeah, un untextured, basically. <laughs> Just, mm -hmm. like, big, bold 3D models. Yeah, we're, like, we're like two steps up from um Obradin, you know. Yeah. You just put the layer on fog everywhere. Yeah. Yep. And it works. Yeah, it's a really good strategy for like not make having to make like high quality models. Yeah. Or or high res textures. Especially for something like a forest, which like I feel like there's not a lot of middle ground for forest. You either go super, super low res like this, or you gotta go all the way and just completely do everything yeah. to make it look as realistic as you can. Like the middle ground is just not great. Yeah, typically. It, it's hard to do like organic, you know, life mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, yeah, especially forest because like video game forests doesn't look like real life forests because yeah. that would be a pain in the ass to play. Except for Walden, which we painstakingly uh, made like a real forest. But anyway. Because like, <laughs> yeah. in the forest, you don't see stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Forests can get really dense and, and difficult to maneuver through. And Yeah, if, you can, if you're playing a video game with a forest and you can see the ground, that's not a good forest. There's like so much underbrush and shit that you can't even walk through. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it depends on the woods. Yeah, Di different forests have very different character, and I miss being a, a child running around in the woods in rural, rural Pennsylvania, but... Same. We had, we had a lot of, like, our house was basically on the edge of the woods, and my, my dad went through and cut some paths down to sort of, like, a stream down there, so I would, I would run around the woods, yeah. but most of it I couldn't walk through because 
because the undergrowth was so thick, except for, you know, the bits where my dad mowed it out. Yeah, we had a so. stream in our backyard that was like at the bottom of a ravine. <laughs> like, clearly, this used to be a much bigger river. And so we would yeah. like slide our way down the forested ravine walls <laughs> to get to the stream and then, you know, build little right. tiny rock dams in it like you do as a kid. Yeah, ours, ours had a big fallen log bridge, which was super cool. Um, yeah, I remember when I stopped going to the forest because one day I went down there and there was like clearly some sort of like cobbled together tent. And I thought, no, thank you. And I went home and I never went back down there. Oh, that's kind of yeah. sad. Yeah. I once went down to the stream in my backyard and found a bunch of baby ducks with no. their mother. Oh, so we had That's amazing. We had foxes. I mean, I never like got to be up close to the foxes, but I'd see them like on the edge of the forest in you know in the spring sometimes. And wildlife forests, yeah. Good stuff. That's why that that's kind of I think why I like bonded with this game a little bit because it's like yeah, <laughs> save the forests. I was so mad. There's a there's one of the story points in the background is like you learn that um, the company has cut down this 100-year-old tree that they like specifically said they would preserve. Um, mm -hmm. And I felt that like a fucking blow <laughs> because that's oh, yeah. like, such a near and dear thing to me. Like, even in a fictional context, I got angrier about that than I should have. <laughs> yeah, nah, I had a... Grew old trees. <laughs> no, the old, trees... old trees are useless. Carl is all about industrialization. Uh, <laughs> I had a I had a big strong moment of like, oh no, I I I can't show Nina these photos. She'll be devastated that the yeah. tree is gone. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I was like, oh fuck, fuck yeah. everything. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought there was a lot going to be a lot more because, like, in one of the first. Um, in one of the first uh, chapters, there's a thing where you, like, run across something weird. I think it's, like, a ship or something, and it's, like, um, you get the little prompt in your diary of, like, I should take a picture of this and send it to Nina. And you do that, and she has, like, a special response for, like, oh, that's weird. You know, like, we should, you know, keep an eye out for what's going on here. And I really thought there were going to be more, like, side objectives like that. Like, I, if, if I was designing it, I would do the first one of, like, take a picture of something weird and send it to Nina is in the journal. But then after that, there's, uh, like, other prompts that aren't in the journal, but you can still take a picture of something weird and send it to Nina and get a response, and you're, like, rewarded for that. Like, that, mm -hmm. then I would have felt like a really, like, clever investigative photographer. But I kept taking pictures of all these, like, cool, weird things I was seeing and sending them. And she would say, like, that's not a picture of a squirrel. And I'm like, well, but don't you have anything to say about this? Yeah, like all of the, the old research stations that were clearly, you know, where she was at. Mm -hmm. However, in the 80s, when she was doing this, this same study, like, you, you would, I don't know, it would be nice if that elicited some kind of response from her. But yeah. I get it. It's a small, you know, a pretty small project yeah. this game or all so. the or all the like garbage that's like littered through the swamp and stuff where you can say mm -hmm. like hey you know we could use this as proof that 
they're like already polluting this wildlife, you know, before the study or whatever. Um, which, yeah, I don't know. The, the, the last, the, the kind of last chapter stuff is, a, is kind of contrived. Like, I really like the, you know, you fall down a cliff into her old camp and you have to use her old equipment to like find the way. But there's a whole thing of like, oh, the squirrel stole, stole your journal and the journal is like the only place where there's proof of your study and you like will have to like get it back if you're going to prove the thing. And it's like, I mean, I've been out here researching for however long. Are they not just going to take my word for it? Like, is it really just I have to have written it down in this journal for them to believe me? Also, didn't yeah. you fax the pictures? Yeah, we, like, faxed a bunch of pictures over. Like, I don't know. That one felt a little bit of a stretch. Like, I, I did yeah. feel much more motivated by the oncoming storm. Like, that was kind of a cool, like, feeling of rising tension at the end. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that was cool. The... Except that I couldn't get it out of my head that I was like, this feels exactly like Firewatch. That's fair. That's but it's fair. just a storm instead of a fire. Yeah. Um, and it's it's rough because uh, like forest fires can last for several days, but the uh, the storm has to last however long it takes you to find the squirrel. <laughs> Which, you know, if it takes you like over a week, it feels a little weird that it's been a week and <laughs> the forest hasn't flooded yet. Yeah. And it's still threatening to flood. <laughs> Um, and then as soon as you, you complete the objective, oh, there it is. There it goes. There's the flood, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I understand why they had to do it that way, but that's a little bit, uh, feels a little bit hokey. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I could have, uh, there, there are, um, in terms of the, like, rewarding your kind of exploration and investigation, there are cassettes. That you can find, I think there's like mm -hmm. probably one in each level. I don't know if I, I don't think I found all of them. Yeah, I, did, I didn't find but, all of them either, but I think, yeah, I think it's one per level. Uh, and they, they, they're just like cassettes from back when Nina was doing the study, and they're like just, just little kind of glimpses into her life, uh, doing the, you know, doing the same thing. And I enjoyed those. Those were always like fun to find. Yeah. Um, you know, they're nothing, they're nothing earth shattering or like that really recontextualizes, uh, anything. Cause like you do find one about like the, the special squirrel that she like saved from a fox that she, you know, was raising or whatever, but she also tells you about that in the main dialogue. So it's not like it's a mystery otherwise. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. Yeah. It's it's very atmospheric. It's like fun to play. I just I kind of wish the story did a little bit more. Um, I mean, it's serviceable. It's good. It's good enough for what it does. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I think it, I recommend it. I rec recommend the game overall. Yeah, it's a very yeah. comfy game. It kind of is. Yeah, yeah, it's it's comfy. There's there's definitely like some moments of foreboding for sure, especially like. It's it's a very sort of, you know, your brain is filling in the blanks of like, oh no, I'm alone in the forest. Nothing really scary happens and it doesn't really even present itself as scary. But there is that back of the mind, like, I am deep, deep, deep in the wilderness. I am completely alone. 
and yeah. I am out in the middle of the night setting up cameras. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't the just the the tiny fear of like I'm gonna see something that is not a squirrel, and that never yeah. happens. But or you see something that's like twenty squirrels. Yeah, on your house. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, there's one where they like end like yes, the, the session looking ominously at your caravan, and it's like, um, <laughs> I I did I did wonder if at some point like the squirrels were gonna turn on me. I I was ready for that to be a plot point. Yeah. Um. But they but they don't. Uh. I don't know. I you know I I think if they'd done maybe a little bit more with the squirrel mafia angle, there there could have been some good stuff there. <laughs> but I did find I did feel like, um, kind of you know friendly with the squirrels by the end of it. Um, I, one thing I really loved is the in the final sequence, there's a couple times where the squirrels are clearly leading you to things. Uh, like intentionally, like they're getting you to follow them. Um, and that felt really cool where I was like, okay, squirrels, like, you know, I don't know if you've been like unsure about me in your, like being here in your forest, but you get that I'm like trying, I'm on your side and I'm trying to work with you here. So like, thanks for working with me, squirrels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the end where they sort of help save you from the flood is very cute. Uh, yeah, it's I just the the extent of the flooding is truly amazing. Yeah. Um and I well, I, I guess it was because like the the company had already started building the dam and that screwed up the like Drainage you know the way the water moved through. Yeah, but it it I will say it sort of felt a little bit like an ass pull of like, well, we got to end this game. Yeah. Uh, what's the best way to do it? But not super, super upset about it. It's yeah. it's definitely a striking and memorable ending. Yeah, so. for sure. I think that ending would have fit better if it was, like, a bit more comedic game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that might be true. If they'd gone a little bit harder on the, like, these squirrels are clearly up to something angle leading up. But, you know, I don't want to hold it against the game that it's not the thing I exactly expected, because I think it's a good thing for the thing it is, right? Like, it's it's trying to be one fairly simple thing, and I think it nails it pretty hard. Yeah, uh, definitely. So, I, you know, I'm as you say, I'm not mad at it. <laughs> like, I liked yeah. it. I had a yeah. good time with it. I, I uh, messaged uh, Sean Bow and said, like, this feels like a play-by-play -play game. I could see you playing this on play-by-play. -play. <laughs> Talk about the surveillance mechanics. Yeah. yeah, I recommended it to a friend. But I said, maybe wait for a sale. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Not that I think it's, it's that expensive. Anyway. No, but, like, it's kind of short. Yeah. And it's Hard to spend like, I think it's hard to spend like 15, 20 euros on a game that I'm not sure what's going to be and it's very short. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it's, fair. It's, it's one to recommend and to like sort of at least say, yeah, this is what this is. Wait for a sale if you're not completely on board. Um, 
Yeah. I should leave them. I should leave them a positive review. They only have like 224 reviews. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess it's at full price. It's like 20 bucks, which yeah is maybe a bit much for like this short a game. That's that's a little bit on the like slightly more experimental side. Um, that you might not be sure if you're going to like or not. Um, so yeah, I would definitely say this is a like buy it on sale game for me. But I think we did get it on sale because we got it during Steam sales, <laughs> or at least I did. So yeah, I think so. Maybe I'd have to. I don't remember. But either way, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I had a fun few hours with it, and it's only like three and a half hours long, so it's not like it's gonna you know like take a. <laughs> A major chunk out of your life yeah no i think let me look i played yeah i've got like four hours in it and probably a lot of that was i had the game running in the background and i got distracted because that boy howdy that happens to me all the time it's <laughs> just uh it's just how it is um yeah definitely a good way to spend an afternoon um and i I know we're all like really struggling. Like, what else can we say about this game? Yeah. Um, I don't know yeah. that you know. I don't know that anything else needs to be said. It's uh, it's. I think this one's nominated for a couple um, uh, IGF awards as well. At least one, I think. Not nominees. Nominees. Um. Let's see here. No, don't. Yeah, that's that's fine. Um, okay, I was gonna look it up on uh, Rock Paper Shotgun, but uh, apparently my they won't let me do that while uh, while my ad block is running. So, oh, boo. Um, let's here we go. We'll go to the actual official site. Uh, nuts. Nuts got a uh, honorable mention for the grand prize and an honorable mention for excellence in narrative which again right. i think is less the narrative itself and more how the narrative is told mm -hmm. because like the narrative itself is fine but it's not like it's not earth-shaking or unusual or unexpected really it has a little bit of magical realism to it but that's basically it we really need a better way in um in awards to make the distinction between the actual narrative and the delivery of the narrative. Yeah, because it's like the, it, the story and narrative design, which are different yeah. things. Yeah, absolutely. And I, or you know, give less of a, of a shit about re like rewards. Yeah, that too. Yeah. But yeah, it, awards, it does. I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, it is it is a big deal, especially for indies to yeah, you know, like have if, someone say this is good to you know it it gives attention to it that a lot of yeah, people I, probably would not otherwise have i think it would have been good for our sales if you know we could have gotten a, a wintermark could have gotten a honorable mention or something in uh mm -hmm. in narrative so i'm kind of sad we didn't but like when i look at the games here a lot of these i don't um fully like i don't recognize but other honorable mentions uh or well so like Lost Words Beyond the Page, I've seen a bit of, and unless the story goes, like, dramatically differently than the first, you know, 30 minutes to an hour would imply, that one is also based on how it's told and not the story. Um, 
I don't know anything about uh, Across the Grooves. Genesis Noir doesn't deserve to be in this category for either reason. Um, Omurangi Generation is also... Well, Omurangi Generation I could see kind of as both, because the story it's telling is about, like, living a normal life in the shadow of, like, like horrible oncoming doom because there's, like, giant kaiju attacks. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of an interesting narrative in addition to being told it, interestingly. Um, Haven, we haven't played yet, but we might at some point. Uh, I yeah, is does that have a good story? I think it has a good story. Okay. Um, in other waters, I don't know. Spiritfarer? Um, Spiritfarer, I, I could see both. I think has both a good story and is told in kind of an interesting way. Um, there's nuts here. There's Blazeball, which is not a story, is just an interesting, like, method of storytelling. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just, it's just a sports game. Um, Paradise Killer is also on here for honorable mentions, which I think maybe for the world building alone, I would, I'm okay with that being there, being, uh, nominated. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, that, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Such a weird out there game that, like, I'm happy it got something, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. yeah I, need to, I don't know. I need to freaking play Umurangi Generation. I, I should have gotten it when it was on sale, too. I just didn't think to buy it. Dang. Yeah. Oh, well. It's very clearly, uh, heavily Evangelion, uh, inspired mm, makes sense in kind of an interesting way i, I watched uh you know big chunks of shambo's playthrough of it and like i i get it but i don't feel the need to play it myself yeah that's one of those that i i have not watched him play because i do want to play it myself and i don't i feel like i don't know i feel like that's one that i just kind of want to experience without really a whole lot of Having seen it already, I've been keeping myself away from it, kind of. Yeah, I think his main issue with it was that, like, there's a lot of very specific quests you have to achieve in each level that um, kind of distract from, like, the interesting parts of the photography stuff. Uh, yeah, but, that makes sense. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, try it and judge for yourself, see what you think. It looks yeah. like a cool game overall. Um, but, uh, I guess there are some games, there are some very good games that didn't come out in time to be nominated for this list, like the game we're playing next. <laughs> Unless oh, yeah. anyone has anything last wait, 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 about nuts. <laughs> I thought Chicory was on that list. Uh, yeah, no. we're playing Chicory. Yes, we're playing Chicory. I don't think Chicory is on that list, is it? Maybe it is. Oh, you're right. Chicory is, is on that list. So, speaking of games that are on this list, um, <laughs> good save. <laughs> uh, Chicory is nominated for excellence in design, uh, excellence in visual art, uh, and the grand prize. And it's an honor honorable mention for audio. They did a lot of cool stuff with the audio in this game, from what I understand. Um, I've listened to the soundtrack a couple of times, and it sounds, <laughs> I mean, it sounds very much like Celeste. Um, yeah, it has the same composer as Celeste. It's got, um, so I, I found a really cool thread 
the cre- so we're playing Chicory. The creator of Chicory, or the like, lead designer is uh, Greg Lubinoff, who is the same person who was the lead designer on Wander Song. Um, which so this is kind of so you know what tone you're getting into. But he had a thread on Twitter where he talks about like just some of the cool like little design stuff they did in the game that you might miss. Like for instance, uh, if you put the game down for more than 48 hours and come back to it, your mom calls you on the phone and asks if you'd like a refresher of what you were doing. Which I think is super cute. That is very um, good. It's very good. It's but really one good. of... Sorry, go. No, go on. Um, but one of the things that he mentions in the thread is um, that is all the little, like, soundscape stuff that they did. They did a lot of stuff where... Um, like the sound effects for different regions are tailored to like use different chords to spend depending on the chords of the music uh, that's playing at the moment. And like certain, you know, certain actions have kind of musical accompaniment that is different in different regions based on the sound that the, the music that's playing. And it, it kind of sounds like they did some like really cool music and sound integration stuff. So I remember they did the same thing in Wander Song, so that your mm-hmm. the songs that you're singing are always in in tune with the background music where you're at. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I believe and... Mario does that with his like. They change the pitch of his voice. I think. Yeah, they games. do. They do some stuff in Odyssey uh, where like some of the sound effects. I think the sound effect of like. Um, traveling along the wire as like a little uh, like electrical jolt or whatever it is that you do is is like changed mm-hmm. based on the the background music and stuff like that. Um, so it's it's neat that uh, you know that that much care is taken. Uh, he mentions in the thread that uh, all games in the or all songs in the game are classified as either jaunty or relaxing. Um, <laughs> And they use that classification to make like different t- rules about how the the music should play. Like, for instance, if you are switching from a jaunty theme to a relaxing theme, they put like an extra like second or two of silence in between, so it's not as jarring. Hmm. Yeah, I read um, through a little bit of that thread. I need to go further into it. There was a, there was a lot of tweets in that thread. Boy, yeah. Howdy. There's some really cool stuff that uh, that he gets into. So yeah, it's a game where you are a dog with a paintbrush trying to bring uh, color back to the world. And the theme is apparently about the artistic experience and like what it what it's like to be an artist and sort of the some of the pitfalls of uh, of create creating things. Um, and so I'm excited to see what they have to say about that. Like, yeah. Wonder Song, I feel like, good job on the theme department. So I'm excited to see if they do good job on the theme department in this one as well. It sounds like they might. Mm-hmm. So I am excited for Chicory. Yeah, looking forward to playing it, for sure. I know we've been we've been talking, like, behind the scenes about playing Chicory for a while now, and we have not gotten around to it yet, so... Yeah, it's it's a fairly recent game. Like it came out not that long ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but it, it was in early access or something, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, I, the reason I like I forgot with the IGF stuff that you can actually submit games to IGF before they're done and before they're released. Um, mm-hmm. So they, I guess, their uh, some of their earlier builds must have uh, 
must have made the awards. It's a little bit risky because if you get nominated for stuff, you don't get to resubmit the finished version of the game. Um, so, you know, you'll, you might, if you think you'll have a better chance with the finished version, you might not want to submit like an in-progress build. But, uh, you know, sounds like they were far enough along that it was fine. Um, so, yeah, it came out uh, June 10th was the official release date. Uh, there, I know there was a demo prior to that because I played the demo when Steam was doing its, like, big, you know, games demo week or whatever. Um, and, yeah, I'm excited to play it. I'll probably pick it up on PC. Uh, yeah. Even though you can play it on the PlayStation consoles if you want. I was wondering if it was going to be on the Switch. This seems like one that I would want to have on the Switch. Uh, but right? I guess uh, I, not. I assume if they are porting it to Switch, they're probably taking extra time to do the touch controls since it's a drawing game. I would hope. Yeah. I would desperately hope. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I have more faith in that team than uh, Genesis Noir. So... I like that Genesis Noir has become our new, like, whipping boy. I like how much Kyla hates that game. I don't disagree at all. I shouldn't, because there's so much about that game that I thought was great, that I really loved. (laughs) That was good. I'm just, like, I'm just real salty. Honestly, I... a true contender for most ruined, honestly. uh, Yeah, to be honest, I'm... I'm probably just salty about the IGF awards. Like, if you want to just just put it down to me being salty about the IGF awards, that's fine. Well, yeah, but here's the thing. I don't even have the IGF awards to be salty about, and I agree with you, so, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely in that, like, most ruined um, running. <laughs> you could have been a contender. Um... Yeah. <laughs> yep. Anyway, uh, okay. Enough about yeah, Genesis Noir. We're playing Chicory, and Chicory, yeah, I think, will Chicory. be. I I enjoyed the demo of Chicory enough uh, that I think I'm gonna like the game. I I worry that it may. It's possible it will be too saccharine for some people. It looks like it's gonna be very cute and very cutesy. So it's possible that some some people, uh, <coughs> Carl, um, might find <laughs> it a little grating. <laughs> <laughs> but uh we'll see yeah i had some issues with wonder song about yeah. like the dialogues being felt like a twitter conversation yeah i i'm with you on that um but yeah so we'll see yeah but i think i'm gonna like it a lot so yeah i i mean i still like wonder song despite some of the dialogue being a little bit eye rolly um it, it it you know i can overlook that yeah, I'm getting the, in my old age here, uh, I'm getting like more and more to the point where I want games to be cutesy and sweet and and not like not make me sad because I just, I'm so tired all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I got you. So 100%. I, I am up for a game starring a good dog. <laughs> yes. Well, we're about to play one. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. We gotta we gotta share how people can get in touch in case they want to gush about chicory. Maybe I'll see if uh, yeah. if uh, Jackie wants to come back because she joined us for Wander Song, and I know she's like similarly excited yeah. about chicory. So yeah, definitely do that. Um, yeah, 
You can find us on Twitter at FeedbackForce, and um, the Twitter will also have a link to the Discord if you would like to come hang out, if you would like to be on a future episode, if you would just like to talk about chicory or about nuts or about literally any freaking game that we have played or might play in the future or even just games that you are playing that you think we might like or that you just like really we're just here to talk about games um if you would like to see some pictures of the bread i made yesterday um which is similar to the bread that i made today you can find me on twitter at kelso timebomb yeah you should link that recipe in the thread of tweets so that oh, people yeah. who actually, see your beautiful bread pictures can know where the recipe came from. I will do that. That's a good idea. You will become a bread influencer. Yeah. I don't I don't want to be an influencer. That sounds like too much work. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Kyla underscore go. Um, I, I tweet a variety of things. Um, I should tweet more of the Pokemon fan art that I've been drawing. Um, you can find my game, uh, at Wintermore TC, uh, on Twitter, or you can just buy Wintermore Tactics Club on PC, on Switch, on PS4, and on Xbox 360. And if you happen to be listening to this before Monday the 19th, which is to say today, the day we recorded it, um, and you're going to GDC, uh, you can attend my talk tomorrow morning. Uh, it is called Everything Means Something, The Creative and Destructive Potential of Themes, and it's at 9.40 in the morning Pacific time, uh, So, which means we're like one of the, because I think the show opens at like 8 or something, so we're like one of the first talks of the entire show, so that's cool. But yeah, do yes. that. Do that, and you can follow me on Twitter at skug3. I don't really tweet, but I, I like pictures of shaders and VFX effects. Yeah. And Kelso spread. Oh yeah. man, speaking of speaking of VFX pictures, did you see that the um the creature in the well people have a new game coming out? That's Ooh. like Stone Stone Flight, I think it's called, or something like that. Stone something. Um Stonefly. Stonefly is the the name of it. Um, and it looks like they're they're still doing some pretty cool they're still just doing that same awesome visual style from uh, from uh, Creature in the Well. So well, I don't know, this might have to be on a future <laughs> uh, future podcast, depending on how long it is. Oh nice robots. Yeah. We got robots in this one. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna wish list this one. Gonna wish list this bad boy right now. Anywho. Uh yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's all of our Twitters. Uh thank you for listening to our podcast. Uh play Chicory and then come back and chat with us about it. Yeah, definitely do that. Um or not. You can just listen to the episodes and we will appreciate that too. Thanks for joining right, us. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.